0: Listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal, and today we're going to be talking to Liz Teich, or the New York stylist, as she's known on Instagram, all about how to balance motherhood and a full time job. Liz is also the co host to the Mom Goals Podcast, which offers an unfiltered look through the lens of the working mom. I thought it would be only appropriate to invite her on the pod, as I know this is a huge topic when it comes to the motherhood journey. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Please share a little bit more about yourself.
1: Well, thank you so much. And that was a great intro. I am a stylist, uh, both commercial styling I've been doing for 15 years and also personal styling for about five years. And I'm also a content creator for the New York Stylist on Instagram and my blog that I've had for 10 years. And
0: I'm also a mom of two. Girl does it all. <laughs> um, I can relate. I feel like I do a lot of things. I feel like I'm just like the type of person that likes to stay busy. And I feel like I get that same energy from you as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, I think that's part of just my nature. I like to be busy. And I like I, I'm a, like a serial entrepreneur. And I've had multiple businesses on top of being a stylist. So it's something that I love doing. And yeah, I guess mom is. Definitely the hardest job
0: of all, but it's the most rewarding. (laughs) Absolutely. And you recently moved from the city, from New York to upstate New York.
1: I love that you call it upstate. It's like, I know, it's technically so far.
0: (laughs) Well, so I used to go to high school in actual upstate New York, like Saratoga Springs area. I don't know how far. Yeah. And we used to always get upset when people from Westchester, which I think that's where you live. Yes. the, The best Chester. Um, yeah. <laughs> um that we used to get really mad when people said that was upstate New York. So oh, totally. And I went to school in Syracuse and
1: people oh, I would you get I would it. say that's upstate and people say, Oh, that's central New York. So it, it depends where you are. I'm from Long Island, so just outside the city. And to me, Westchester was always upstate. And now that I'm here, I'm like I'm closer to the city now living in Westchester than I was in Brooklyn.
0: Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah, like, it
1: took me 30 minutes to get to Fashion Week yesterday. Whereas normally it takes me like that to come from Brooklyn. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's we used to live outside of Boston, like 10 minutes outside of Boston. But if we drove in, it would take us like an hour and a half. Like oh, it was just has the worst traffic of all. It's yeah, it's crazy. But I want to jump right into the topic. So what are some practical strategies and processes that you use to balance your job or jobs and motherhood? That's
1: a really tough question. I have to say that the balance is that something always has to give. I always say that mm-hmm. because there's no true balance. Like, you know, you're not able to put the weight on either side and have it always balance. Something has to just, you know, there's a give and take. So I think the biggest thing is that it takes a village for me, especially, I can't do it on my own. And whether it means leaning on my husband or leaning on coworkers or having hiring a sitter or having daycare, that's how I do it all. And it was definitely a challenge during the pandemic because we didn't have a village. It was just me and my husband, and occasionally my mother in law. You know, I think it's just always about somebody trying to help out because if you don't delegate, it's too much pressure to put on yourself.
0: I love that. I feel like motherhood is a great practice in delegating. It really is that almost that mirror staring you in the face saying, if you're the type of person that's used to doing it all or prides themselves in doing it all themselves, it's like a great lesson in finally saying, I literally can't do it all by myself.
1: A hundred percent. And I really think that it made me stronger at my career and what I do, because before having kids, I was the same way. I was like, I'm going to do it all myself. And I took on too much. I even, uh, years ago, I had a jewelry business and I was so, thank you. It was so exciting. I was getting on celebrities and major publications and it was going really well, but I couldn't keep up with the production. So I ended up having to close it. And it was more like an eye opener that I can't do it all myself. Like somebody had once said to me when they saw me doing it, I was selling at different markets and boutiques. And they said, well, it's not really a business. It's more of a hobby if you're just doing it yourself. And I was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And it's kind of the same thing with motherhood. Like you just can't do it all yourself. So... I just, I learned so much from being a mom and now I'm applying that to my business.
0: I actually never thought of it that way, but it's similar. Like before we started recording, we were talking about podcasting and how it is so great to have editors and a production team and it it takes a team like anything. Otherwise, it is just a hobby that is really eye-opening.
1: Not to discredit anybody that is running a business by themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, That is amazing if you can do it. But it's really, it's great when you're able to delegate and utilize people around you to make it and expand it and make it a better business.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just hard to scale. Like if we're getting back down to like real business cases and real business strategies, it's hard to scale anything. If it's just one person, that's why there's a whole C-suite, right? A chief financial officer, a chief. <laughs> and even a, even a household, I feel like runs like a business too. Like, I like to say I'm the CFO of our family because I manage all of our money and our finances and our bills. It's just a skill that comes naturally to me. So you say that, you know, it is really hard to balance, put things on the scale. They'll never weigh equally. Is there anything that you do not break or give up no matter what's going on? Like it, like if it's like kids nutrition or whatever, like, is there something like that that you're just like, I will never give this up? Oh,
1: that's tough. Well, I I mean, nutrition. Obviously, is an important part. I talk about it a lot on my Instagram, and uh, I do like to make sure that my kids eat healthy. But you know, it, you have to be realistic. Just like anything else, like there are days. Like my kids had Jello the other day for the first time, and that's just what it is. They came home <laughs> school with a lollipop, and I tried to push the organic ones, and they were like, "No, we want the sugary dum-dums." And like,
0: that's if it oh doesn't God. happen
1: now, they're going to eventually push back and you know, I just, I I have to let go. And that's a huge part of motherhood is just letting go of those little things and realizing that you just can't control every single thing. But I think the biggest thing that I don't let give is that I'm, I need to make sure I have time for my kids. So you know, I can't always be there. And if, you know, I'm working late, I'm not obviously able to do bedtime, but I make it a balance. And if I'm, you know, missing lots of bedtimes, then and somebody invites me out to dinner, I turn it down because it's important for me to spend that time with my kids because I don't get that time back.
0: It's so true. Um, and kids nutrition. That's something that I also had to let go of. I was always a health nut. Like, well, I came from my mom's a oh, personal wow. trainer and grew up in a super like healthy, all organic household, but what I found was I did rebel... Like when I w- did have access to buying my own food, it was like Taco Bell and Oreos and almost like all those years that I was denied all those things kind of turned into binging those things. But as a mom, that is the hardest thing, I think, to give up, like have it like when my mother-in-law comes over and brings over cookies and like it's been tough, but it's a good practice to like, yeah, and it's all about
1: balance and you that's you like anything in motherhood in your career. It's all about balance. So, you know, if it's like that 80-20 imbalance, if If you're organic and healthy 80% of the time, but then 20% of the time they have a treat now and then, you know, it's like, even with your own nutrition, you're not going to like, I cheat. I'm so healthy. I love, you know, salads and I am plant-based, but then every now and then I'll have a pizza. So it's, it is what it is. Otherwise they're definitely going to rebel. (laughs)
0: like I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like motherhood's a good practice and maybe not having so many like rigid, rigid rules. And if you do have like rigid rules, like maybe that's an inward look at like what's actually going on. Yeah. I
1: mean, I grew up the same way. I was very, like we were very healthy and my parents wouldn't let me have like the lucky charms. I always had the Cheerios and things like that. Oh yeah. But then I'd go to friends' houses and I would cheat. So it's just about to, it's, it's going to happen. I have, uh, I have two older sisters who have three kids oh, among cool. each of like, so six kids total. And so I've seen it. And like, they both said to me the other day, they were like, well, we went all organic up until like middle school. And then they just rebelled. So it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's such a fun fact about you. So you are, you're the yes, youngest so of the three. Baby. So I've, oh, i I actually
1: fun. have seen everything that they've gone through with motherhood. And I've learned so much from that. So I think it's helped me a lot.
0: Oh, that's so nice. So you mentioned you have a career in fashion and many other side businesses and things going on. How do you juggle a career where you have to stay on top of the trends, such as fashion, as well as creating content for Instagram? So how do you juggle something that you have to stay on top of like what's going on in the marketplace and then also motherhood? And I ask that because it's something that I struggle with in my own life. I work in social media for my full time job and I have to as much as sometimes I have a struggled relationship with social media. I have to be on it and it's juggling my own screen time and then also like consuming and creating like how do you how do you balance that or juggle that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a hard balance because you find yourself in this time suck of swiping and looking at different things. And then you don't want to feel bad about yourself looking at like these amazing pictures and videos of people and they're living their best life. Uh, I think from first part of your question, staying on top of the trends, I think really being on so immersed in social media has really helped me. And that's why I started doing it. I actually started blogging 10 years ago when I styled bloggers for an ad campaign. And I was like, well, what did they have to say that I don't? And I'm actually experienced in fashion. They are just Mm -hmm. calling themselves an authority in fashion so it forced me to really stay on top of the trends and connect with lots of brands. And I was already doing a lot of that anyway with styling and then getting into the whole social media or back then it was just the blog. I was able to really be on the forefront of everything. I was going to fashion week and going to all the shows. So I think that really helped me stay on top of everything and then connecting with the brands. And I think Seeing what other people are doing on social media and living in New York, well, now living in Westchester, but going to New York City all the time, uh, it really helps me see what's going on on the streets. Like when you're out and about, Mm, it's like looking at like a magazine, just seeing the people on the subway or on the street, like people are so just well-dressed and like New York, you see everything. So it's so fun.
0: So almost like you don't have to get all of your information from online, you actually do your own field research, like seeing what's happening. Yeah. So
1: like, I definitely see when I go out and about, you know, whether it's on a photo shoot and seeing what the model shows up in or whether I'm going to some meetings or to lunch and seeing what people are wearing. I think that is a huge inspiration to me. I also think obviously social media, I'm seeing so many things happening before you see it happen, you know, mainstream. So I think that's Mm -hmm. also a really big thing.
0: Yeah. Ooh, it's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did it happen on the street first or did it happen on TikTok first?
1: Yeah. Well, no, it definitely happened on the street, I will say, because like you go to fashion week and you see something and then the next season everybody's wearing it. So I I do as much mm. as fashion week has become. I've done it for most like for half my life. I've been going and I am starting to get like a little, you know, a little over it, not to sound like you know, not grateful that I'm there. But at the same time, I'm also able to see all these amazing things happening on street style and before it happens in
0: real life. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Like seeing it live. It brings me back to, like, I went, I spent some time in Asia. I lived in Asia for two years. And it was just really cool to see all of the fashion in the big cities and just how different it was, like back in the States. And even on social media, what I saw people wearing in the States versus what I saw people wearing on the streets in Bangkok and Tokyo. And it was just like, really That's
1: cool. Oh. How did that influence your own, like even today, like how did that influence your own style?
0: My own style. I have no style.
1: Uh, I <laughs> don't discount yourself. You definitely do. Uh,
0: my style is very kind con- I like being comfortable. <laughs> I mean, I always, I like, I like, I love seeing nice fashion. I love seeing like people who dance well. I think I like seeing people who are talented, like really dive into what they're good at. I think that really inspires me. That inspired my fashion in street, like streetwear was very popular in Tokyo and it was almost like this permission to not I I've never been a very feminine dresser even since I was in puberty. I always loved big baggy t-shirts like, you know, remember back in the day, hot oh, topic yes. <laughs> baggy pants. Like that was very much my style. I'm a punk kid like through and through. So Seeing the fashion lean more a- androgynous and more masculine gave me permission to kind of lean into that masculine energy of mine. And really, I, I, I was always like, oh, van, I wear Vans, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, okay, I do wear sneakers and it's fine. <laughs> like, I can really, I felt like I could finally lean in. um it, it's, t- it's tough because like being set, like how do you balance being sexy with also being comfortable which is what I like to do and that's why I lean more towards like so there work. you go know. you just described your style damn girl you're good <laughs> <laughs> thank you I do want to back up a little bit and talk about maternity leave What's that? Ooh. <laughs> girl I had sick okay I had six weeks that's like <laughs> during the pandemic yeah I mean it was it was okay yeah it was uh but I, it wasn't didn't feel no, long. never long enough, enough.
1: I mean, I, I am grateful the pandemic really forced me to have a maternity leave, which was amazing. I, I gave birth in April of 2020 when, you know, the big pandemic first hit and we were in the thick of it. Insane. It was very insane. And, but I was at the same time, really grateful. I was forced to be home with my family and nobody could come over. And I had this like kind of excused permission to take a break. And we had, you know, the unemployment at the time with a pandemic assistance. So I I got paid to have maternity leave when I am normally a freelancer who doesn't get that.
0: So, ah, I see. So that's the difference. Yeah. So this time it really helped me, it helped
1: set my career this trajectory this time, which was amazing. And it's really a te- it's a testament wow. of why we need maternity leave because Having that forced break and not having to worry about getting back to work really helped me when I was ready to get back to work, get that motivation of, okay, let's do this. And it wasn't like I had to really take a step back from my career. So I I think it really helped me. Whereas the first time around with my first kid, not during a pandemic, I didn't get any assistance. I worked so hard up until I gave birth that I was in the hospital twice because I fell twice. And um, put my baby at risk because I was working so hard and I was so anxious about making that money to save up to be able to afford having a maternity leave when I wouldn't have gotten it. So I took three months at home, but anxious every day about having to get back and what that was going to look like. And my first day back, I took a huge ad campaign where I was working daily. I was pumping in bathrooms and I was working from eight in the morning to eight at night in tears. Like I miss my baby and I can't do this. And it was hard. And I ended up having to supplement Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, I really wanted to breastfeed and it was really difficult because I was forced to go back and under so much stress that I ended up supplementing with formula while I was working. And I, I made it to still nine months with supplementing, but this time around, I, I was able to breastfeed for 18 months. Because I'm able oh, that's to wonderful. make my own schedule and make my maternity work for me.
0: Yeah, I, I don't even know how you did it the first time around making it to nine months because pumping is pumping's a lot of work. And I can't imagine even being in an office and having all these meetings scheduled and things you need to get done and then also saying, oh, crap, I have to pump. Let me remove my, it's just so it's distracting. And it's, well,
1: it's a lot harder um, in my career than like, it's more accepted in offices lately. Like I was just in the office yeah. the other day and I was so happy to see there was like a lactation room and that's more prevalent now. But when, for my career, nine out of 10 times when I have to ask a producer, where can I go pump? they'll say, Oh, you know, we have a space for you. And it's usually a bathroom.
0: It's going to say, or a storage closet. Cause you're like on a set. Yeah.
1: I'm on a set. I would take a storage closet. And I've done that before over a bathroom that is delegated for everybody. Mm. And we're knocking on the door while I'm pumping and like trying to go to the bathroom. So normally I was bringing, I have a pop-up changing tent for the models to change in. And I would sit in the tent while I was eating my lunch and people are like, what's going on in there? And, you know, they hear that. Eh, eh, eh,
0: the, <laughs> the oh, the best sound. Very
1: awkward. And uh, so, yeah, it was really tough to be, you know, a new mom during having this whole career of, uh, you know, a lot of people that aren't parents and they don't understand it.
0: Yeah, that's the big difference too is being in a an industry or a job role where there aren't a lot of other parents. I have a few friends that work at agencies where typically the age skews very young and at at the ripe age of 30, they're the oldest people in the office, which is blows my mind and it's in, it's interesting to hear the perspective of your first birth and how you didn't really get a maternity leave or you you took some time, but it was with that stress and pressure of maintaining your career trajectory versus the second time around. It gave you that. It's a, its hard to put into words, but I could see how the second time was more positive. Like yeah. Yeah, Relief.
1: Like I also was more confident in being a mom and having a career. Whereas the first time I really thought that having a baby was going to ruin my career because in fashion, it, you know, like you said, like, like in the creative industries, there's a lot of young people, they don't get it. And I, I was really nervous that people wouldn't hire me because thinking I'm a mom and I wouldn't be able to do the job because I needed to be with my kids or, you know, I need to raise home or this and that. And I was really scared that my agent was going to drop me. And I, it was, it was scary to admit. And then there were a lot of times that I wouldn't even tell people I was a mom when I was on set
0: Uh where I
1: would hide that I have to pump and it's really sad. And so I kind of owned it a little bit better. The second time around, I was more confident. I'm obviously open on social media about being a mom and I'm proud of it. And I think it's really made me better at what I do. So I think it really shifted my perspective this time around.
0: I love that. And it feels like in recent times, there's been such great movements too to celebrate moms and highlight them in the workplace. Like I know, hey, mama did the mother on the resume campaign. And I put mom on my resume and on my LinkedIn profiles and my headline. And that's different for me. Similarly, like a a difference the first time i got pregnant and told my bo- i told the vp i was pregnant and i apologized i said i'm i said i'm sorry i'm pregnant But I, yeah. And I said, and the the words just like spilled out of my mouth, but I promise I still want to be here. And I promise I'll still do, I'll be a high achiever. And I I made all these like promises of like apologizing for my pregnancy, apologizing for being a mom and then saying, I'll still be a really great worker. Like, oh, isn't that awful that we have to justify that and feel like we have to, it like her, it like feels like a net, like looking on my past self, it like, makes me feel like a like a knife in my chest like but that's how insecure i feel like society or some workplaces make new moms or pregnant moms feel and i was i worked in healthcare and it was a little different the company but everybody was older and either already had their children or were very very young junior positions there was no one like are we middle aged <laughs> what is 30 <30?" laughs>
1: well 30 I mean, is the new 20 right
0: girl yeah I mean I feel like I'm still 19 but well I know if the second time it happens to me there's gonna be no apologizing it's going to be I'm pregnant and I'm taking leave and peace out see you all later
1: yeah I think this time it's funny like kind of what you said like I apologize there were a lot of times I felt like i had to overcompensate like I'd be on photo shoots and people would say do you need a chair do you need a break and I'm like no 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 I'm fine I'm fine and yes. I People would say you don't even like you're not acting like you're pregnant. You're moving like you're not you don't have this like bowling ball on your belly. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like I never wanted to admit it. Mm -hmm. And then the second time around, if somebody offered me a stool, I'm like, yep, great. Take it. Yes,
0: You're like, heck, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I took whenever people said you don't even look pregnant or you would never know you were pregnant. It's meant to be a compliment. Right. (laughs) But. And I took it as that, but it's really not a great compliment because it feels like we don't have permission to be pregnant. If I were to act pregnant or look pregnant, like would you be viewing me differently?
1: Well, I get that all the time on the back end. like After having a baby, it's like, oh, you don't look like you're a mom or you don't look like you had two kids. And I'm like, Uh, you know, I I feel like I should, like I want to, I want to look like I am confident in what I'm doing. And I, I am older and wiser and like, I should, I'm a mom.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I have all these management skills now. Like I have like, hello, like being a mom is the best. Like, so that's not really a a compliment, but like, not really the, you don't even look like
1: compliment. (laughs) Yeah. That
0: you don't even look like you had kids or you have a kid or you don't look like a mom. It's like, I get that a lot from, like, the models I work with, like, the younger like oh. 20-year-olds. Because they, you know, they don't they don't know. always know. They're like, oh, you're
1: like me. And then they find out that I'm in my 30s and have kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I wonder if I'm in my early 20s if I said anything like that. I
1: feel like... I'm sure we did.
0: <laughs> we yeah, didn't know Yeah, I feel like... I, and I meant it. I'm sure I meant it as, like, a compliment. Right, and... yeah. I don't
1: take offense because I do realize that people... You know,
0: they don't know until you're mom. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show. I do this show because I love it. And as a self-funded creator, your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor. So here's how you can help. Share this episode with a mom friend, caretaker, or soon-to-be mom friend. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to throw me some coins, you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Any little bit helps and I appreciate your support. Finally, give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal. I love meeting my listeners, so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself. Now, let's get back to the show. How do you prioritize... What needs to get done in a given day? like what's your what's your system? Do you use to do lists, manual, digital? Give us the deeds?
1: I have to admit, I am not the best at it. i am I'm working on it. It's always tough because I feel like there's not enough hours of the day and I'm constantly verbally telling my husband my my to do list in my brain. I do I'm such an old school person that like, you know, when you're in middle school and you have your agenda book and you're writing down like all the things you need to do for your homework. Yep. I got mine right here. So <laughs> it's the same thing. I, I love an old school notebook and writing down my notes so, and that's how I operate. I tried all the different platforms like mondays.com and Trello and like, we use Trello for the podcast. Um, I have to admit, I'm not great at it. I am a lover of putting in reminders and appointments in my phone mm-hmm. That's, and I will also include my husband when it's something that involves him so if we have something going on then I do a calendar invite to him almost like I'm running a business with my husband
0: <laughs> I lo- I'm gonna take that tip because my husband's a teacher and he mine. oh okay what does he teach he
1: teaches middle school English
0: <gasps> my husband teaches middle school music
1: Oh, my goodness,
0: is, that's so cute. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> well, so as you know, then, with a partner who is a teacher, they have after-school thing. They have so many different little commitments or, like, before school. I'm going to take that tip because we always have it every single day at 3.30. He calls me, and we, like, check in, and we almost play that, like, man-to-man coverage of, okay, I got this. I got him. I'll pick him up. I'll do dinner. I'll do – we always, like, go through this thing, but I feel yeah. like maybe – I'm going to take that tip of putting stuff on the calendar. It's
1: good because it forces them to, to see it. Like if you if you just verbally, t- I don't know about your husband, but like if I tell my husband, like we have X, Y, and Z, it goes in one ear and out the other. Whereas if it's on his phone, he's like, oh, I got this notification. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like bless my husband. I love him. But if I say anything, I have to, and he gets annoyed at me because I tell him 10 times, like, why do you tell me 10 times? I'm like,
1: Right. But then that's why you need the notification on your phone. Yeah. I am so old school. I have a chalkboard in our hallway. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So we've always, since I've actually, probably since I started dating him, we've always had a chalkboard in our house and we write notes to each other about like things that we need to do, or if we have to go grocery shopping. So I have something on our chalkboard right now that's been up there for weeks and I I don't think he's done it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this is a note to myself to put it in our calendar.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's cute. Actually, while we're on the subject of our partners, how do you divide and conquer? I'm always curious about how other couples do this.
1: Well, I'm very lucky. My husband is very involved, and, you know, being a teacher, he is so good with the kids and he's really happy to do a lot of the things that, you know, I delegate him to do. Um, but usually we delegate by, you know, one person will cook dinner, usually him because he's better at cooking dinner, and then the other person will clean or put the kids to bed. And that's kind of how we divide and conquer. I usually do drop off unless I'm on a photo shoot or have to go to the city early, then we hire a sitter who brings the kids to school. And then my husband usually does the pickup. So we kind of go back and forth and I'm so lucky he's home early being a teacher that I like, he takes on the afternoon. So if the kids something, you know, they we need to pick them up early or anything he can take over while I continue doing work. And then bedtime, usually I'm putting the younger one to bed while he starts getting the older one to bed. And then I take over and he cleans. So we're, we're going back and forth and it's a really good balance.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So that sounds similar to how we do it as well. It's like one person cooks, one person cleans while doing the bedtime. And the teacher schedule is really great. It would be really hard if my husband had, I work West Coast hours and oh, wow. it would be really hard to have both of us working like that. Yeah, I I love to hear how other couples do it. And while we're on the subject, when we have partners, one person doing one thing, one person doing another, right? We're kind of ping-ponging back and forth to get all the things done with our families and our houses. How do you find time to nurture your relationship and your friendships?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. And I will say during COVID, that's really been the biggest struggle. And the thing that's had, unfortunately, it's had to give the most. I will say making a time and effort to have dates, like whether it be with my husband, we have date nights or have plans with friends and going out to lunch and catching up. Making an effort to see people has really been a priority of mine in the past few weeks, especially because now that we're coming out of the whole COVID thing and we can finally see people again and go to restaurants, I think we're we're starting to really find ourselves with that again a little bit. I think the biggest thing I love, uh, when we had Hitha Papalu for a guest on our podcast, she said that something that she took away from her book, uh, researching about Kamala Harris, they Kamala does these check-ins with her other half. And now hip is doing it with her other half. And they do these like monthly check-ins with their partner. And I think that's such a great way to just make sure that you guys are like, you're good. And you need to, work on anything or how you how you're doing. So I think just talking to your other half is really a great way to, you know, remember each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just talk to your other half. But it's not so simple, because sometimes it's in the I love the monthly check in idea, because it's not always a great time to just sit and have a conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't want to do you don't want to have a heavy conversation in bed. Or
1: Right after bedtime and you're exhausted. <laughs>
0: yeah. And if you're just sitting down together to finally watch that episode of that show you watch together, you're like, I don't want to bring up something important or heavy. You don't want to open up the can of worms of like, you haven't paid enough attention to me or whatever it, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So I love, I love that idea. And actually, good segue. What are some lessons you've learned from other working moms that have been on your podcast?
1: Oh, I love that. There's so many good ones. Um, like I said, the one with Hitha. Uh, I will say I kind of mentioned it before, and I, I need to remember this myself. But uh, we had Anna Kaiser on our on our podcast recently, and she talked about the importance of hiring a team and not just doing it all on your own. And I think. I need to remember that because I'm juggling essentially three different businesses with my personal styling and my commercial styling and the content creation. And it's so important to scale your business. And I'm finding that, you know, with the, with the commercial styling, I have agents that handle everything. And then with the uh, content creation, I have a manager that helps, you know, and I can delegate things to them. And then with the personal styling, I'm still figuring out like, how am I going to delegate everything? And grow this business. So I think that's one of the most important lessons I think as a, especially as a working mom and you you can't do it all. So, and especially if you want to grow in your career, I think that's a great lesson.
0: Yes, I agree. So we talk about building a team. I learned that from one of the podcasts I listened to maybe two years ago, and it was the most valuable advice for me. And I started off by delegating housework. So I hired a cleaner. And, you know, uh, making the investment, and this is what I think it holds a lot of people back from hiring help, whether it's in their business or at home. It's scary to make that financial investment. What's on the other side of that is freeing up time to then do things that will make you money or will... It's hard to explain, but how did you make that first decision to invest in help?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's something, like you said, it's essential to be able to grow and to... Even if it's something like housework, I, I think that's a huge thing. That's something I, can't, I, I just can't sacrifice because I'm fi- I was finding myself spending so much time on the housework that I was taking away from my businesses, yes, and like just, you know, paying somebody to clean my house has given me so much more relief that I can focus on my career. So I think making sure that it's worth it and that I'll get a return on investment in the long run, but it might not happen immediately. So when I started blogging, I thought, well, I mean, this is like a hobby. I didn't think it would be a career. Then I started getting some partnerships and realizing that I just like my styling, it helps to delegate like the negotiations and the contracts and things that I don't want to deal with. I'm the creative person and my, my forte is not the business side of, you know, handling numbers and negotiations. So what you're not like what your strengths aren't, you can focus on giving to somebody else and then it can really further your career. And I had recommended yesterday to somebody the manager that I work with and they were like but that's like a lot of money to give to somebody and I'm like but I make it back every month so it's worth it.
0: And similarly I I started blogging as a hobby also. I was a food and travel blogger back in the day. And you take up you don't realize how much brain space you take in the email inbox of pitching, negotiating, all the back and forth, looking at the contract, chasing payment you think like people don't realize everything that goes into that. And that's all the time and energy that you could use creating and doing and playing to your strengths like what you said. So that, that's interesting that that was kind of like that first negotiation with yourself of this is a big investment to h- hire someone. But then it gives me more time to do what I'm really good at.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's also made my, it made it more of like a legit business rather than a hobby, like we said before.
0: Yeah. ooh, I love, well, I just love the idea of, taking it to the next level because I feel like every but every kind of business or passion kind of starts off as a hobby right and then you have this turning point of like almost this decision you make in yourself of okay do I want to take this am I comfortable doing this as it is because it's just fun or am I feeling the itch to take it to the next level and I think that's sort of like paying attention to like if you're listening and you have a hobby that maybe you want to take to the next level or you don't, that's fine. Not everything you do needs to make you money, but if you want it to, maybe yeah, consider this shift of delegating. I I love I love that advice. That's really great.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's something that really you can take with any
0: business or even with motherhood. <laughs> yes, which runs as a business. <laughs> sometimes. We're the C-sweets. Yes, we are, girl. So I love learning that that's a valuable lesson that you learned from a guest on your podcast. Tell us all about your podcast and all the exciting things that you're up to.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, so we just launched in January our podcast called Mom Goals. And it's with my dear friend, Amanda Mintz. And we are both working moms that have successful careers from living in New York city. And now we're moving to the burbs and how we just really wanted to know how moms do it all. And, you know, it just seems so effortless even from the outside, but sometimes from the inside, it's not as effortless as it seems. So I want to know the inner workings of these women and how they became so successful and how they're like icons essentially. And so that's how we started it. It's been so fun to really, I kind of selfishly started it and I'm sure you can relate. I just really want to know how they're doing it and what their secret sauce is and any tips. And you know, I love a good hack and I tend to share a lot of styling hacks. And different hacks on my Instagram. So I always ask the guests what their hacks are. So that's been really fun to hear what other people's hacks are.
0: Yes, I started my podcast selfishly, because I just wanted to talk to other moms. <laughs> I'm like, I need, I don't have any mom friends. Like I need to talk to people and understand like, how do they just get through the day? So yeah, but it's been really fun. I love, I, I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast with, I think Christina, that was one that stood out to me that there was a sustain, was it you that was saying that some companies have a sustainability clause
1: Yeah, actually not a lot too. And I was really shocked. Uh, So Christina Pacelli, she is a celebrity stylist. She is basically the person that made Laverne Cox like a fashion icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just by chance. She ended up getting this offer to do a job that nobody wanted to do. And she took a chance and did it. And because at the time- being trans, being, Mm -hmm. you know, not a sample size, it was like impossible to dress somebody and nobody wanted to do it. So she overcame that. And now she made a huge name for herself. She's one of the top celebrity stylists in LA. And so it was just a really inspiring episode to talk to her about that and hear how she, I, I, you know, I'm passionate about sustainability and fashion and hear how she's trying to make an effort in that as well, because it's, it's really a wasteful industry. Unfortunately, it's not something that every brand is doing or every company. And the sustainability clause was actually on a job I was working on recently. And the production team put that into their contract for a major brand that we were working on for their campaign. And they said, anything that we do, we want to do it sustainably. So we're going to have in our contract, if you know, it might cost a little bit more money, but we would rather spend a little bit more to make it better for the environment. And they went on board with it, which is huge.
0: I love that so much. Yeah. Sustainability is one of my core pillars. Like you probably see from my Instagram, I live on a farm. So I'm all like, and I'm, I'm not plant based a hundred percent, but I am vegetarian. So I love, so that, that part like stuck out to me. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I know nothing about the fashion industry, but I learned a lot and um, I love that. So everyone, check out Mom Goals podcast available everywhere. You can get your podcasts. Yeah, I love seeing moms kill it. If you guys can get her, Robin Arzone, the Peloton instructor, have you... I don't know if you Peloton.
1: I I wish I did. I've styled for Peloton, but I, and I really wanted it after, after working with them. And I was like, can I get a discount? (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, they're all amazing instructors. And we actually just had Rachel Nix, who's a mirror instructor. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Firepower. yeah, I yeah. listened to that she, one she's too.
1: Incredible. She, I, I could just listen to her, like listen to her talk all day. She has so much to, so much knowledge and wisdom about what she does.
0: Yeah, Robin Arzone wrote the book. I think Strong Like Mama, and she talks oh, about like I'm going to send you that podcast episode because it was really good and it reminds me of your podcast because she was just talking about how if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no thank you. Like she was Ooh, talking about I like that. I know it was like the power of saying no. And, and that's
1: something that motherhood has really taught me. That like I used to, I was a yes person. I'd say yes to every like everything, even partnerships. Before becoming a mom, I was just like, yeah, sure, free stuff, yes. Then <laughs> you know, I'll try it. Like I yeah. I was stupidly do those like teas that are weight loss. Like what? And now I'm so particular about what I feature. And I'm like, even if I'm not making money, I'd rather only feature things that I'm passionate about and that are things I genuinely use and that I really can't wait to share with the world. And it, it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like every blogger or influencer kind of goes through that. of they're, they're very excited at first to get all the PR boxes and all the free stuff. And then you're like, uh, I don't want any more stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's
1: like you see it with the consumerism. Like It's just so much waste and so much stuff. And I don't need all that stuff. And I tend to like when I'm getting things that are unwarranted, I'm sending it to friends and family. And I'm like, here you go. I don't want this. And Like it's just too much at some point. So when I am very cautious about what I say yes to, and I do make sure that when brands send me things, I'm like, no, it, it has to be something I'm going to use. Send me like what sustainability that you are, your brand is doing or what ingredients you're using. It's, it's very
0: important. Liz, your Instagram is so good. She shares so many cool fashion tips. And like, I'm not a fashionista, but I appreciate all the tips because I feel like your, your tips are very, I just said tips like 10,000 times. I have a lot of them. <laughs> but I feel like your tips are very approachable too. Like you're not, you don't have to be necessarily like into fashion if you're following Liz. Like you just learn these like kind of everyday little hacks that help you feel like a bit more put together. And I think that's what I like is like, I feel like Your Instagram makes me feel good. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, that's my goal. And that's why I started doing the personal styling because I was, I had so much knowledge from working in the fashion industry since I was 18 and knowing what goes into a garment and what goes into like the tailoring and everything. And there are so many things that like, I, I forget that I know that most people don't know. And so that's what started like sharing it on Instagram and sharing my tips and hacks and doing reels on them. And realizing that it's things that make a huge difference. Like a little thing like I shared about the yeah, like folding your turtleneck inward instead of outward, it makes a huge difference and it makes you feel like, ooh, it's chic and like it that little change makes everything.
0: Yeah, that I loved that one because I was like I always would wear turtlenecks and feel kind of like I don't mind being a grandma if I am one. But you know, it just made me feel dated.
1: Well, it's very like prim and proper to fold it over and, and then it never sits right. And it's very, yeah, it's very tight around your neck. And so anything to make you look a little bit more effortless and a little bit, you know, more comfortable like you like to be, it it makes a huge difference.
0: Well, Liz, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Please share with everyone where they can connect with you.
1: Thank you so much. Well, you can find me on Instagram at the New York Stylist and you can find my blog, thenewyorkstylist.com or you can find us anywhere you can get your podcast at Mom Goals, the podcast.
0: Boom, I love it. And everyone, I'll include everything in the show notes so you can connect with Liz, listen to her podcast. And thank you all for listening and tune in next week for the next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash new mamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at new Podcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.